I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and I have lost count of what day of Day 10. Day 10. 10. We're two, two-thirds of the way through, guys. So we got five more. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Five more. Five more. Two more this week. Yeah. And three next week. Friday, Saturday. Friday, Saturday this and week, then and then Tuesday, Tuesday Thursday, Thursday, Saturday next week. Not Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <coughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday. No, Tuesday, oh, Tuesday Thursday, 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 Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, not bad out there today. I mean, it's not real warm, but not real cold. So, I mean, it, that's good weather for football. That was balmy compared to the way it's been the, oh, the previous few yeah. days. Yeah. Well, it yeah. was very, very nice out today, I thought. Yeah, low, weather. low wind, which helps with the interviews. So, that was nice. Yeah, and just, you know, Saturday's practice is open to the public, and it's uh, weather is expected to be sunny and 60 degrees. Yeah, yeah and 11 o'clock, be here. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be nice. Pro- so, I just, I figured out what people run into, though. On Saturdays in the spring, why, why? I mean, my kids both have baseball games that day. Yeah, yeah. If I wasn't covering the team, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, anyways, just uh, you know, ramp it up to uh, quarterback competition. I think is it starting to have some kind of a pecking order? Well, I mean, people are asking us, you know, who's winning the quarterback battle, not who's won it, because. First of all, DeBoer would never name a starter after spring. No. Nope. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But who I think is winning the quarterback battle right now is the same person I talked about on, on uh, Monday with Scott, and that's Michael Penix Jr. I think he's just, he came in ready. Uh, he's worked hard. He clearly, his relationship with DeBoer and Grubb and, this, and, and understanding the fundamentals of this offense, clearly there's going to be a lot of wrinkles and, and, and things that they're going to want to do this year that are, that are different from what they asked him to do when he was at Indiana. But that's obviously part of the evolution of, of both Grubb and DeBoer, uh, as offensive minds too. But I just say that relationship has really worked out great for him so far. He looks very comfortable and uh, looks to be throwing the ball well. I think all three of the guys are throwing the ball really, really well. But it just you can, you can just get the sense he's comfortable right now. And that's, that's pretty unusual for a guy coming in literally right before spring and – um, and already settling in nicely. And what people need to remember when we, when they ask us those questions is, when I gave my answer in that thread, when people are asking us who's winning the quarterback battle, all I can tell you is what we've seen, yeah. and then what the guys, what the people that we talk to who get to watch all of practice are kind of conveying to us. Right. So, um, you know, we're not seeing all the stuff, so maybe that person is biased. I don't know. You know who who's saying this guy is definitely going to be the starter or whatever. I I just don't know. We're just telling you what the, what we're hearing from the people who are watching every rep. Well, it's and, also not and that just real quick. You know, from what my guy's telling me, who's really connected, sees all the practice and everything. He says the only competition at quarterback right now is for the backup reps. Michael Penix is the guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's just, an opinion. And, and yeah, and, and like today, for instance, it's not like the other guys are chopped liver. I mean, no. Dylan Morris had a couple nice throws. He had one really good corner throw. Um, I think it was to Brent Holmes. The, no, that was, that was Penix. Was it Penix who Penix threw it? Penix was the one who threw that Okay, one. but e- either way. No, he, I know what you're saying. To the corner up. But yeah. um, I also saw, uh, you know, Grubb giving some attaboys to, to yeah. Dylan Morris on a couple throws, whole shots and stuff like that. So it's it's like I think they're seeing really good things, things in all three of those guys. But to reiterate what you guys have just said, you know, when we try to find the information mm-hmm. kind of between the cracks – it sure feels like there is a, at least a pecking order at the top. Sure feels like it, but yeah. who knows? But that that competition between Morris and Hewitt is going to be 
um, pretty strong, and obviously I don't think they feel like they've given up the ghost by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to, you know, you've got three quarterbacks with Michael Penix knowing the system the best, has the most experience. Uh, Dylan Morris, of course, has, you know, a lot of experience, and he's a little bit older. And Sam Heward, um, I think he's still thinking a lot more than the other two guys. But, you know, if you were to take those three guys, I still think Sam has the highest upside. You know, he may be behind those two guys when it comes to who do you want to play. But at some point, you're going to make have to make a decision you know are you ready to you know put your eggs in the basket of the young guy or do you feel more comfortable with the experience yeah and then the other thing too is that Penix has obviously been rehabbing a lot and having to deal with a lot of health stuff he hasn't really had to focus as much as what the product has been on the field when he's been in Indiana because he's only been playing about half the time whereas when you look at Morris and you look at Heward at the end of the year you know they may be suffering a little bit of the, the football version of PTSD in terms of having to kind of shake off the, the negative stuff that happened at the end of last year and try to refocus and, and find the joy and the, and the enjoyment of football again because it is a kid's game. I talked to Dylan a little bit about that today, and, and he said he really feels, starting with, with Coach McKeefree in the offseason with the, with the boards and the different things for competition, that they were able to kind of quickly restart and kind of reset and that was super important for a lot of the guys that were coming back, especially the quarterbacks. Hey Scott, if I was to ask you, if you didn't know anything about this team and you were just coming in as a fan of another team and you were just focused on the quarterback, do you think you could tell who, who the number one, number two, number three guy is? If you knew nothing? Probably not, not at this point. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, I, it's, I just, I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of guys, all three of them, they're all doing good things. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen a lot of turnovers this spring, have we? Well, how can we, Kim? <laughs> when, when they're hitting and causing fumbles yeah. and doing all that stuff. I mean, we've heard about turnovers. Yeah. Like Devon Banks had two had in two the Friday scrimmage. Friday. But so, so, you know, when the coaches tell us that they're getting turnovers, that's one thing. And so, when there's guys crawling, doing the bear crawls or whatever yeah, they're calling fumbles. those things, that's because of fumbles. So if Devon Banks had two interceptions, can we assume that's from the number three quarterback? No. No. I don't think so. Yeah. He played some they, of the They ones. didn't say who threw the ball. They and only said who caught it. That came on Friday when how many defensive backs were out? Right. Tons of guys were yeah, out. Yeah, they had five de- defensive backs out that day. Yeah, yeah, I talked four to five, yeah, I talked to Dylan Morris about, you know, not having to have two first-round draft picks out there thrown against every day and asking if that was making his job a little easier. And he's, he kind of hesitated, you know, he's like he was going to say yes, but he said Mish Powell is still giving him fits. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, Dylan's out there doing some nice things. Sam's doing some nice things, and Penix is doing some yep. nice things. So I think it's really going to come down to, when it comes down to it, who has a better grasp of the offense, who's able to do, do, go through their progressions like they're supposed to, and who's able to get the ball out to the right guys when they're supposed to be getting it. I, I don't think – and the one thing that Penix is going to add that Morris – is in the middle, and Sam is, Sam is not a statue, but he's, that's not his game. He's not a runner. Penix is a runner. He can run. And there was a point today when the twos were on the field uh, doing their 11, the, in that little 11-on-11 11 11 session we get to watch that the pass rushers went by him, and then he stepped up and ran for 20, 25 yards. Yeah, and for the record, we should say Penix was with the ones that we saw today, and then uh, Morris was with the twos that we saw. Penix seems like... Penix seems like the most likely to pull the ball down and run. Uh, Sam, on the other extreme, seems like the guy who's most likely to hang in there and wait mm-hmm. for things to happen. Yeah. He doesn't pull it down as quickly. Yeah, not as quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, and Sam's a good athlete. Yeah, he's, people who think he is not a staff. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for, but that is not what he's there for. Right, well, he is other, not there and, to run. And the other thing too is, is that when you're thinking, you're not fast. So that's gonna that's gonna hamstring him even more. Once those guys fully have this thing integrated to like the back of their hand, that's when you're going to be able to see them play at their full speed and full capability. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting following the quarterback competition out there. Those three seem to be getting all the reps, which was kind of weird last year when we were, you know, watching practice with Jimmy Lake and Sermon seemed to be getting as many reps as, you know, as, uh, um, as Sam, you know, mm-hmm. so which I thought was kind of odd, you know, so not getting as many reps. Well, he, he also named Morris as the quarterback a lot quicker than most coaches. Shocked at that. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, sure, but that's. I think that goes to goes to kind of understanding that he was more intent on getting the number one guy ready than than necessarily the backups. Yeah, I asked Dylan also, and it's one of the things I kind of noticed. And I don't know if you guys have too, but it just seems like the quarterbacks are getting a lot more reps when it comes into that time for them to get reps. They're getting a lot more of them. Yeah. Are you noticing that? Well, it's interesting because I thought last year they would have been able to double up those reps because they were literally doing their 11-11s back to back which we really noted. I haven't seen any of that with this particular staff. But what I would say is they run at a, they run at a tempo where they're going, and there's very little wasted motion. So I don't know if they're making up for the number of reps by just going faster, but there's, there's little wasted motion. But again, when the, when the old staff were running the ones and then they were running the twos like back-to-back, you were literally able to get two reps for your quarterbacks like on one play. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? I mean, it's just different, different, uh, different courses for different horses. So it's just a w- different way of doing things. But one thing I have noticed is that these guys do like to run things quickly. Try to no wasted motion. We're up to five running backs now, Scott. Practicing? Yeah, yeah. Because Caleb Berry came back and um, you know and is able to practice now. And from after dealing with COVID for a couple weeks. Um, he was out there on Monday. That was the first practice we remembered seeing him, right? Isn't that yeah. when we were when, when, we were, were, when, they, were in, when they were inside? And um, he he's just running through drills and, and running out there and doing stuff. So we got uh, Barry, JV on Sunday. We got Aaron Dumas and uh, Sam Adams, and then um, the walk on. I I'm sorry, I forgot. His oh, name Gabe right. Nelson. I also Gabe don't Nelson. remember. Was Adams was he wearing yellow or no? He was not wearing yeah, yellow. Okay, today. so that's that's so. that's a positive. Yeah. Ball. Now we see that he's been that you know some people are speculating that he's going to get shoulder surgery, but not from what I saw. Today. Well, yeah. I mean, he's he's working out. And he's full go. So yeah. I, I mean, typically, if that was going to happen, it would have already happened. Or, so he could heal up in time. Yeah. Or he'd be in yellow, and they would keep no him out of everything. Yeah. Pretty much outside of the. You know, he'd be doing some individual stuff, but yeah. We can talk about when we, we talk to Marks and Grubb a little bit later, but, you know, yeah. just one thing that stood out was, um, <coughs> you know, when I asked Grubb about bringing in three transfer running backs like they have now, if we can expect some uh, attrition, you know, after camp. And, you know, I, I don't know. If, he, he seemed like he didn't, didn't give me the coach speak exactly, but he pretty much said, well, it's just hard to hard to know. There's just so many moving pieces right now with all the transfer portal and the transfer portal being full and this being late in the season. But uh, he said... Late in the spring. Yeah, he said, you know, it's not necessarily to expect some attrition, which I find hard to believe. Well, we mentioned this on, we mentioned this on uh, Monday between Chris and I when we did our podcast, but... The, the date that the kids ha- that the guys have to be in the portal in order to be able to play this fall is uh, May 1st. Washington spring game is on the 30th. 
So these guys already pretty much know that they're going to go in the transfer portal now, and they're just waiting till the end of spring, and then they'll announce. And we've already we've already seen that happen. Just to quickly, Casey Kinchin, the walk on uh, defensive back from Lake Stevens, is already in the portal, and so and he he basically announced a day or two ago, and he was he was here in spring. He was working mm-hmm. out like the first week or two, so. There are some guys that are already saying, you know, either I see the writing on the wall or I've got, I, I'm hearing that I might have an opportunity to maybe somewhere even else. get a scholarship somewhere else. Um, you know, the, these these talks are already happening. They're well well underway. Is there anything to read into injured players that are here at practice, you know, as opposed to so. those who aren't at practice? I don't think No, so. because like, Ameka, like if we go with the running backs, Emeka Megwa, you know, again, DeBoer talked right before spring started that they were going to know pretty soon whether he was even going to be available or he might be out all of spring and even part of fall, and that turned turned out to be. So we're talking with Omegua. He's still suffering from the injury he had when he was in high school. Or he still, had a setback. Or, or had yeah. a setback, correct. So we're left to speculate, but the bottom line is DeBoer did say on the record that he was going to be out all spring and probably part of fall and maybe miss games. That... You know, when you have a, a guy that's so out in the unknown like that, that's one guy. We're not even talking about what's the status with Richard Newton, what's the status with Cam Davis, what's the status with, with some of these other guys. Well, and Jalen McMillan wasn't there today either. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the other thing that's interesting, you know, to throw in there is, you know, we've got some of these guys that have got injured and those medical bills are being paid by UW. Does another school want to take on an injury? And, you yeah. know, what happens to the medical issues, you know, with those guys? Yeah. yeah. Know, especially if they don't get picked up. A lot of things that these kids have to consider when they're going to another school. Well, and again, Washington had to consider that, I think, when they were looking at Michael Penix. Yeah. There was a lot of upside, obviously, and a lot of connections between the, the Fresno staff and Penix. And, and obviously we've talked about it a lot, but that is one of the things you have to consider is whether or not you're getting a guy that – can really truly function at a high level and still play at a high level. Yeah, it just seems like also just from the little bit we've been able to see, and I don't know how much this is going to factor into it, but it just looks like they're asking these running backs to do a lot more now than we've seen with the previous staff in um, terms of catching the ball out of the backfield and blocking. Uh, I get The quick passes out of the backfield. I, I That happened? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll just go with what you were saying because I – I'm seeing the exact same thing that I saw when with the old staff, but I could be wrong. But I haven't seen anything. How many catches did Cam Davis have that one year? And 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 they all caught passes out of the backfield. So I, you know, maybe they use them in different ways, like actually send them on different routes. But I I saw a lot of catches for so and they're blocking. They they blocked a lot. Last year, uh, pass blocking. I mean, Keith Bonifa. I remember for the how many years was he here? Six years, however many years he was here, and he he uh, said the guys who don't play the biggest reason they're not playing is because they haven't figured out pass blocking. Yeah, can't block. And that's what they. That's the biggest thing that they struggle with when they come here because they never had to do it in high school, and so that's why some of these younger guys don't play. I remember watching Sean McGrew. Four-star guy coming out of high school couldn't step in and block anybody, yeah, and he never had to block yeah. when he was in high school. Yeah. Who's best? Uh, who's best running back pass blocker you've ever seen here? Best running back pass blocker. Oh, Chris Polk, no question in my mind. Um, uh, you know what? It, that's interesting. I think Levon Coleman 
if I had to think about it a little bit. I think Miles Gaskin is a guy that he was really, really, really got good by the end. I mean, for, he's, for a guy who was as small well, as he was. Well, for a guy yeah. that never had to do it. Yeah. I mean, I think his progression was pretty extreme. But I think LeVon Coleman is certainly a guy that used his physicality really, really well in the, in the blocking game. Um, yeah, Polk is certainly a guy yeah. that was an all-around, just probably the best all-around player. What, what's funny about Chris was he came in and he, he was kind of given the rep of being soft. And, mm-hmm. boy, after after about a year or two, he was well, not Steve soft. Steve Sarkeesian and um, what, Joel Thomas were the ones who made that kid tough. Yeah. Because he was not tough when he got here. No, he wasn't. He was known as a pretty boy and a, and a prima donna. Well, he still is. He is, but he's a tough boy prima <laughs> there donna you go. and pretty boy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you uh, you got into depth a little bit um, earlier today on uh, the two deeps on the defense. Yeah. No, I just I um, I got a chance to see on the backside because I wanted to take some video of the edge and the de- defensive line. And so I stayed back and kind of watched what they were doing. Um and, I, you know, again, you know, just to echo, I mean, I feel like a broken record with what Scott's telling, but, you know, there's only so much that we can see. and there, But it does feel like there is a certain amount of rhyme and reason to how they're moving these pieces because it does feel like they've got that base kind of jumbo where they have the three defensive linemen inside, and then they'll take one of those guys out, put in the nickel or the husky. And so, you know, like Dominique Hampton was with the one husky today. But if they took him out to go a little jumbo, they'd bring in Jacob Bandis to work with uh, Voitinufi and, and Tuli Latui Gasanoa. Um, you know, so there there's some 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 rotations in there that you're really starting to see. I saw Jacoby Covington and Mish Powell working with the once today uh, at corner. Uh, did not see Jordan Perryman today, nope. so I don't so I don't know. He was, what he, he was there. He was there, but I he mean, just he just wasn't did, on the field. He didn't he didn't yeah. do the eleven on eleven stuff. And again, and I didn't people, see Bruner at all. Did, did yeah, Bruner was Bruner was, was out today. Okay. He was doing some linebacker okay. stuff. But again, you're right because of the linebackers, it was Cam Bright and Tupatala, like it was on Monday. Yeah. And then the backups were, but Hey Mooley came in a little bit for the one reps, and then he was in for the twos. Him and King and um, and and uh, King. Who, who did Hey Mooley replace? Hey Mooley replaced uh, Tupatala. Tupatala. Okay. And then um, and then if and then when Hey Mooley went out with the twos, they bring in Drew Fowler. So there's there's some movement there, and then again when they went jumbo, in the in the for the twos they bring in Ale with Draco Bynum, and uh, and Bandis, and then they would take Bynum out, and they would bring in Cab Famicolano. Yeah, we didn't see Cool Pehapa. Did not see Qua. Did not. So nope. there are guys. There's just guys that they're mixing and matching, and it's and it really does kind of go day to day. So it is hard to develop a two deeps, but I feel pretty strongly that if they if they just went with the nickel base with the husky. I think you'd see Quao and and Thule at the with the defensive line. Right now, the edges seem to be Martin and Trice, and then you've got the linebackers right now, which are Bright and Tupatala. As long as Bruner is not yeah. fully there, you've got Hampton at the nickel, and then you've got Mish Powell and Perryman at the corners, and you've got um, you've got uh, Alex Cook, and you've got Asa Turner at the safeties. That looks to be kind of your ones right now. In the husky, and then if they move the husky out and, put, and go jumbo, they usually bring in uh, Bandis. Or but a, I would think that down the road fa- to that a, would yes, that would be Tuatelli down the road. You guys noticing noticing uh, MJ? I'm down there taking pictures, yes, so I don't see much practice. Yeah. Are you guys noticing MJ all day? He's much? he's bringing in. He's coming in with the twos. He they, they, he'll yeah. play the straight up nose. I don't see many explosive plays from him. No, I mean, but I, they're and, not running. Right, they're not running the ball. Yeah, and and they're also and also it's. A situation where the eleven eleven we see it's scripted. It's mm-hmm. 
they're they're trying to get a specific look to try to put it on film so they can go hopefully and teach Saturday, teach off it. Hopefully Saturday yes. we'll have more of a look on that. Yeah, and okay. then and obviously that that's the day where we'll really try to script and and see exactly what they're doing, put who's in for what, mm-hmm. and we'll try to hopefully see if we can put the the packages together and see where they're kind of the general trend of where they're going. i got to give you two guys credit because it's really hard to give as much detail as you guys are giving with the limited amount that we've been able to see. <laughs> well, it ain't but, easy. But again, to, to, to the people that are listening, this is we are literally just giving you... It, it, I almost feel like we're just kind of regurgitating mm-hmm. what we're seeing out on the field, which I... You know, it's all that we yeah. can do the at first this point. And, the first and second team offensive lines are the same as they were yeah. at, for the most part, all of spring, so... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. And Groundhog's Day again with the recruits. Landon Hatchet here again. Yeah, yeah. and Ryan Otten was here. Saw Kate Otten, Luke Wattenberg, two yeah. guys who are going to be, who are going to have their life changed next week. Yeah. So that's going to be that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was cool. I didn't see Kate during the practice, but he came out after post practice when Kate, we were talking. Kate to guys. is definitely um, enjoying the. I think he's working out in Arizona. Oh yeah. He was pretty tanned. He's he's yeah. gotten yeah. his vitamin D for sure yeah. um, down there. But then uh, so we saw. Um, Jeremiah McClure, the wide receiver from uh, Modern Day in Chula Vista, not the big Modern Day yeah. that everybody's used to. It's the one in near San, San Diego. Diego. Yeah, San Diego area. And then um, another guy, Ananias Walker. He's a 2024 DB outside linebacker kind of athlete. Good sized kid. Yeah, big big kid. He's about six four. They have him at six one, but I think that was no, that he's... guy was easily six four. And his name is Ananias Walker. He's uh, from uh, Rancho Cotate, or Cotate, or I don't know how you say it, but Cotate. Yeah, however you say it, um, out of uh, Southern California. So he was up to visit, um, and there was a 2022 lineman that we saw by the name of uh, um, Samuela Pelu or Mausa Pelu. He goes by kind of two names, kind of like MJ Ale and. Ulumuale, but um, twenty twenty two guys six four three twenty, big kid, and uh, had offers from Penn State and San Diego State early in his high school career, um, but has not uh, signed with anybody. And kind of dropped off the radar yeah. for whatever reason. Big kid. Yeah, he's big. Yeah. He's big. Yeah. He is a big boy. And he was six, watching the watching six, the line. Six four three twenty. Yeah, I was gonna say he's six, at least six four, and he's so he's over three bills. Yeah. Yeah, usually when the offensive line recruits come, they, they stand out for the crowd. He's, he yeah. certainly stood out. Yeah, well. I thought he was a college kid. Yeah. So, I mean, he he's he did not look like a high schooler. He so. had head calves. Yeah. His calves were as big as my head. Yeah. Good big boy. So, uh, you got did to you talk have about Sama Pahama calves? <laughs> yeah, well. Who's bigger, Sama Pahamas or MJLA? Sama Pahamas was the biggest calves I've ever seen in my huge. life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just uh, who's you, anything stand out from the guys that you had a chance to talk to today, Chris? 
Um, just again, uh, I, I got a, a chance to talk. I was the only one who, who talked to Lee Marks today. Um, re- and really, I just wanted to talk to him specifically about the two incoming transfers. And because they have both signed scholarship letters with Washington, they could talk. the coaches can talk about them now. So I know you talked to Ryan Grubb about him, but yep. I talked to, to Lee Marks about Wayne uh, Tula, uh, Tulapapa uh, from Virginia, um, who's originally from uh, Punahou in, um, in Hawaii. And so he's coming back west, and that was a big part of it. And then also talked to him about Will Nixon, the kid originally from Texas who signed with Nebraska and played with them for a couple of years, but he's been banged up a little bit. Um, two very kind of different backs. I mean, Tula Papa is more of a between-the-tackles, will-drag guys, very powerful. Marks says there's more to him. Obviously, he's a big, blo- he's a big blocker. Um, he's he's going to be a leader. He's a, he's a guy that, that is, is an older guy, really old guy, Took took uh, did his mission. They'll probably call him Gramps when yep. he gets here. That's so, usually the name for but that. But he guy. brings a ton of experience and, and, and that, that toughness. And then Will Nixon, I think he he you know, Mark's mentioned Debo Samuel, and I know Debo Samuel's in the news today for other reasons. And he said he he isn't comparing him to Debo Samuel. Debo like, literally. Samuel's a freak of yes, nature. But he's saying in terms of his versatility, yeah. in terms of what he can bring to the game and kind how of the they'll Swiss, use him. The Swiss yeah. Army knife approach. Um, that's what they like about him is his versatility and his, his, his explosiveness, his, his ability to find some space and then exploit it. And so they're two different types of guys. And so I got a chance to talk to, to Lee Marks about those guys, um, which was fun. And then uh, talked a little bit earlier about Dylan Morris just kind of finding the joy again and kind of getting reset and, and going through the competition this spring, which has been good. And I talked to Dylan a little bit about how uh, he was trying to get number five away from Sean McGrew, but Sean had – seniority over him but uh you know so that was interesting to talk to uh, dylan about that so yeah, uh, yeah. also had a chance to talk to uh ryan grubb and you know again you know you can listen to it but he talked about the two new guys coming in um as well as i talked to him you know did he understand that housing pricing issue before him and some of the other coaches got up here <laughs> these guys are just stunned by cost yeah, well, of rentals and availability what, did you see what uh coach inge's wife Put out on yeah. Twitter, uh-huh. looking for a house in Bellevue to rent for less than seven thousand. <laughs> <laughs> seven thousand a month. Month, yeah, yeah, because uh, they've got daughters that are athletes in at Bellevue High School, I believe. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, no. So interesting conversation because the word is five of the coaches are all living together and their families haven't come up. Yeah, yet. that isn't the word. That's the truth. That's yeah. what's happening. So yeah, the only I think there's like. Four of the ten coaches that are on the staff, um, their families are up here. Otherwise, the rest are. Yeah, yeah, living. including DeBoer. DeBoer's family still down front. Yeah, because his daughter is finishing yeah. up her her uh, sophomore sophomore I so. year. I think it is. Right. Yeah. No, I just remember you know with uh, you know Mike Hopkins coming in from Syracuse, and you know my one of my good friends. He grew up in um, uh, just right outside of Buffalo, uh, Jamestown actually, and um, his mom called and he had it on speakerphone and she was saying the people across the street and they've lived there for 40 years just put their house on the market she says they're crazy they think they're going to get ninety thousand dollars for their house and i asked my buddy does your mom know how much you pay for your house he goes no (laughs) no but these coaches coming in it's a little bit of a shock yeah i remember carlos dunlop when you were laughing to see what he because he had like a six bedroom house in Cincinnati for like $310,000 or something. <laughs> yeah. And then when he gets traded here, 
You're like, yeah, he's not getting that here. <laughs> <laughs> no. What was what was the asking price for well, a Russell Wilson's house? Thirty nine million. <laughs> he bought it for nine, six, something yeah. like that. He must have got in there and really put in some sweat equity. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing of it is, you know, I was in real estate for a long time, and I won't mention the athlete, but I went in a pretty well-known baseball player's house, and sometimes when you have a lot of money, you do really weird stuff in houses. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. So I don't know what Russ did. Michael but. Jackson. Hello. And you know why? Because you can. <laughs> because yeah. you can. Yeah. yeah. So it's the fu money, right? It's the it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the mountain yeah. analogy. Why do you climb it? Because it's there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, also just touch bases on basketball really quick. Noel Williams, uh, of course, is signed with the basketball team. the guard from Washington State out of O'Day High School. He is signed, so he is in for the basketball team. Um, uh, Isaiah Cottrell. Also, also Corn, Corn Johnson signed. Yeah, Corn Johnson, you know, uh, out of Garfield High School. He signed his letter. Uh, Isaiah Cottrell, uh, the transfer from West Virginia, was in a couple weeks ago. Uh, no movement on him, really not expecting any movement this early. Uh, Frank Kepnang, the big dude, big dude, <laughs> transfer from Oregon. Um, looks like Washington's in pretty good shape with him, and there's a chance he could be on campus this weekend. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, Washington seems to be in good shape with him. And you'd think it'd be a good weekend for them to come up. I mean, obviously with all the football yeah. stuff going on too. But great weather. Well, there's yeah that that's gonna that's gonna be a nice coincidence. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there's gonna be some activities on campus. There might be there's be a good reason for him to be up here to kind of see what a day in the life would be all about. Yeah, uh, and Fardaz uh, Amac out of uh, the center, out of uh, Utah Valley. Um, he's, got, he's going through the process of the NBA evaluation, so um, until that's done, I mean, it's possible he could still go to the NBA or possible he could go into college uh, next year, I mean, this year, but uh, or next season. But I'm... Um, I'm kind of hearing that more than likely he's going to wind up in college and uh, Washington's in a good spot with him as well. People should also be reminded, too, that um, he actually did submit his name for the NBA last year yeah. before going back to Utah Valley. So this would be the second time. So this he's got a lot more constraints this time because you have that one time where you can kind of test the waters and it's all good. If he actually decides he's going to do it now, you kind of have to – that's it. Do it. You either do it or you or you or you don't don't even think about it. So he's he's the time definitely is clicking down for him a little bit. Yeah, I mean I think he's the top guy right now for Washington. He averaged 19 points, 13 rebounds, and he tore Washington up when he played him. But he would be a huge get. And then uh, you know with him and Kapnang, if they're able to get both those two guys as well as Noah Williams, they would take three of the top 75 guys out of the transfer portal. And you go, okay, what's the transfer portal? There's a lot of guys in the transfer portal. Well, and that's going to become the new normal, and that's that's the thing that you have to. It's, Didn't all all but one of LSU's team go into the portal? Yeah, uh, wow, probably. Yeah, I would be surprised. Yeah. I've I've been paying attention, but yeah, I mean, that's what our intern told us. So maybe yeah. I shouldn't listen to the intern. Well, there's that. a lot of but there's a lot of movement, mm-hmm. and there's you know with new coaching staffs with that much turnover, you know the the players are like, well, if the coaches leaving, why can't we leave? Yeah. You know they have the same kind of mentality nowadays, and now there's the news that. Um, the, the big Kentucky center, Oscar Shibway, you know, the guy that could have been like a, a number one pick or a, a definite lottery pick for the NBA is actually staying in school. And the, and the word is that it sounds like an NIL deal is going to make it so that th- there's no reason for him to leave. And it's like if we're starting to get into that territory where lottery picks might be thinking, having second thoughts, 
about leaving school because of that? Now that's a whole different question. Either of you guys looking at entering the portal? I know that there's people out there looking for good people. Nope. No. Just checking. I'm, I'm loyal to the soil. <laughs> Just checking. Good answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Better's a stuck. Good answer. <laughs> Better's a stuck. Any last minute thoughts, guys? No, I just I, I thought it was a really good practice. I thought um, of what we got a chance to see. I thought they got some good work in. There were a couple different drills that I really were interested in watching, especially on the defensive side. There were some where, and, and this really goes down to how I think there's more of a comparison between DeBoer and Peterson. The more and more I see them operate, you know, there was one drill where the defense was literally just focusing on trying to get the right play in, communicating it from hash from hash to hash, sideline to sideline making sure they were fully aware when the ball was. The coaches were yelling at them to look at the sideline. As soon as the whistle would go to, like, when, when the play was dead, they would immediately go and look. There's, you know, the communication. And I'm not saying this didn't happen with previous staffs. I'm just saying this is indicative of a spring where they're really breaking it down to, to the basics the and the real nuts and bolts yeah. of it. And there were literally periods where that's all they would do. It wasn't even talking about the play. You could be running X, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's all about snap. Whistle, the ball's going to be there. Okay, what's the play? What, what are we doing? you got to be doing this, that. Okay, whistle, blue. And it was like bang, 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 bang. And it was pretty impressive because it's it goes beyond just the typical type of pursuit drills that you see the defense normally doing. Those things are pretty easy. It's like the snap of the whistle, they tell you where to go, and you sprint your balls off to that corner. Um, this is a lot more complicated, and it, I thought it was really interesting watching those guys because every time the coaches were, look at the sideline, look at the sideline. They would look, and immediately you could just see the thing. You could just see the, the either the, the the hand signals or yelling or whatever. Try to get it from one sideline all the way over to the far end, the far corner. Um, yeah, it was fun to watch. It was definitely some some new things I get to see every day. Scott, um, you know, I'll, you know, I'll just let Chris talk about the the practice because I don't think there I can add much more to that. But um, um, I enjoyed talking to Roger Rosengarten and uh, Troy Fautanu for the first time. And then Jack and I kind of tag-teamed on uh, Jalen Polk, too. So those are good guys to get a hold of and talk to. And, and uh, for, I mean, guys I, I covered through the recruiting process, but I haven't really spoken to them until now. And so um, it was good to get out and, and talk to those guys, and those guys are excited to, you know, they're, you know they were excited that their, their, the O-line coach guys were excited that their coach got retained. They think he's a good coach, and they think – they're, they're really happy that he was able to return. And Polk told me over and over, he just said, you know, I, I know this is the right place for me. I never thought about leaving. I never once thought about leaving. Even with Coach Adams moving on, he says, it, it's just, this is the place for me. This is the right decision for me. And that's why I'm where I'm supposed to be. All right, Jim Scott, anything coming up in the next couple of days? From a recruiting standpoint? Yeah. Um... <sighs> I mean, there's supposed to be some guys, I think next week, um, and it might be this weekend, but I think it's next week, um, they're supposed to have some guys from modern day, the real modern day, the big modern day down in, uh, real I don't want to say the real one, but <laughs> the, the Santa Ana one, the, the one, real that, players the one that everybody, day. the one that everybody yeah. wants to know about where, 
you know, the one that's the number one program in the country. Um, yeah, Brandon Baker, Brandon Baker, and I can't remember the other guy, but the two young offensive linemen they offered are both supposed to be up this real weekend. Real quick, real quick. Has, historically, has there ever been, like, real recruiting activity on the weekend that they do the coaches clinic? Yes. Because the coaches clinic bring is kids. Saturday. They bring kids with yeah, them. Yeah, it's the same day as this open as this open scrimmage, yeah. this Saturday. Yeah. So I think people, I don't know if people knew that, but this is the same weekend as they have the coaches yeah. are hosting the coaches clinic. So that could be a situation where you may not see a lot of high-profile, elite, elite guys, but if they come mm-hmm. with their teams, they could. Yeah. Because they've had a lot of lot high-profile, elite guys though on campus. Yeah, Sua, several of those big-time guys. So, yeah. um, you know, I I think uh, you're going to see over the next week and a half or whatever it is till the end of the spring, you're going to see a good group of guys come in. I mentioned it in my blog last week that I think Washington's. Pro- I don't think they're going to try and schedule any official visits, if, if at all possible, in May. But they may schedule like one weekend where they bring some guys in. But I think end I of May, ex- it sounds like, because I've, I've seen a couple yeah. uh, Twitter posts where guys have talked about official visits at the end of the month. Yeah, So, um, but Washington definitely will should fill up three of the four weekends in June. That's when you can kind of expect that to happen. One that we already know of is Amos... Uh, Tala Ele, yeah. um, out of um, is it Sacramento area or San Bernardino? I can't remember where it was, but he's yeah, at a, High Desert. I yeah, think High Desert, wherever it is. He um, he's coming up, big guy, yeah. six six four, six five, three hundred and twenty pounds, defensive tackle. And so. this will also kind of roll into the idea, and maybe we should talk to DeBoer about this at the end. But you know, just what is their philosophy on yeah. on taking time off in the summer? Do they want to take the entire month of July off? Will they stagger it so guys get yeah. a week off here and there? Because there is an open weekend that you can have a camp. Yeah, That's when Florida does their Friday Night Lights camp. I think Oklahoma does something. Miami does something. I'm sure Cristobal will do something because he did it at Oregon. I'm sure Oregon will continue to do theirs. Washington has typically taken the month of July off. Yeah. and But with that open weekend and with as aggressive as this staff is and they know they need to get in with some of these guys and have them in for visits, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they have something going on in July, um, like a big barbecue or whatever. Right. But um, it doesn't sound like, uh, at least that we're aware of, it doesn't sound like they have that planned yet. But who knows? All right. Give you guys a chance to do something you don't get to do very often. Any questions for me? No. Nope. Nope. Didn't think so. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. good. I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing good. So just like I said, just uh, make me smile, make me laugh. Just yeah. like my mom <laughs> used to. So. Yep. Anyways, uh, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs.